Brady. This is Club Hell. Thanks for coming, kids. Then, Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A cinema podcast of commentary, questions, answers, dreams, fears, joy rides, hell rides, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hey, this is Jenna here with Carlo. Hoi. And we are bringing you a new segment, in part because we've actually been talking about this for a long time. And, and we realized uh, in our other episode that we did together, episode 16 of Notes from the Back Row, which you can find at back-row.com or on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and all of your favorite things. You can also RSS feed it do that we love you yeah you you. can do that i do that (laughs) and uh we did an episode carlo and i uh that was called a heroic trio of female prisoner scorpions and this was coming out of a little back and forth that we had and we realized sort of while talking about this that we both were sort of uh woefully um we just um you know, for for all the anime that we watched uh, back in the day, like our blind spot in Japanese cinema was just kind of embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we've talked about that. We both draw, and we've art's important to us. We both love animation. We both love movies that look like they're live action versions of animation, and and anime was a big part of that, especially for me. And I'm. Pretty positive for you too, Carlo. But oh, anime yeah, totally. was like my, you know, I've, that was a big turning. Pokemon was a big turning point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me it was like Naruto or something, like early 2000s. Um, all about that weep life, you know. <laughs> totally. And and uh, yeah, like because I, I used to go on like the uh, Oikaki boards um, mm. online and especially the Japanese ones. And I would see all of this amazing art and i would see all these characters and that's how i actually found naruto before it was even translated into english like yeah yeah, way back when it first started and i was like i just love the art so i would go to like (laughs) kino kunia in manhattan and buy books in japanese and just try and learn japanese through osmosis which just doesn't work for the record (laughs) definitely doesn't work i mean i've tried that too like very early days getting into manga and anime i was like i'm gonna take these like i I had like some scans on my computer and i'm gonna take like every little uh character and decipher them and that way i will be able to tell what they're saying i got like i don't know two two frames in and (laughs) and gave up because that's that's no way to learn a language yeah it doesn't work but it did stoke this sort of love i had for manga and and anime that lasted me for years and years and years and i still love Mm. it but i definitely as i've gotten older and more boring (laughs) have not focused so much on it and um i don't have the patience for a lot of it now quite frankly which doesn't mean i don't have nostalgia for it but and yet despite my like intense love for all of this stuff for years of my life i really am woefully uh malnourished in my my japanese cinema knowledge Mm -hmm. yeah i was talking with a friend not too long ago and like, you know, I've been watching all these, like, Chinese Hong Kong action movies, like, getting really well-versed in that. And 
you know, getting a little bit nostalgic about like the weeb days. <laughs> you know, I still <laughs> I still have a bunch of manga books in in, in the other room as well, and uh, I try to keep up a little, um, see what's interesting out there. But yeah, talking with this friend, I'm like, uh, how is it that I studied Japanese for like I don't know seven years and been into manga and anime, but when it comes to like Japanese movies, I know I, I felt like I didn't know enough of them. Like I I have like a period in the late '90s where I watched like a bunch of Takashi Miike movies, but other than that, uh, I wouldn't even be able to tell. Like these were like you know like hyped up cult movies and that were like hard to ignore. Like back in the day when Ichi the Killer and Battle Royale came out, like it was kind of hard to miss those movies in the way that when animes first started hitting big like in the i'd say 90s as well maybe late 80s when akira and ghost in the shell came out um that was you know it was bigger than just manga and anime those were like uh you know cult things that were happening like in the zeitgeist you know totally um but yeah those those japanese movies otherwise um especially the classics you know it was like the biggest blind spot. I, I know when I was younger, I was like, you know, like most kids, like, I don't know if I want to watch a black and white movie or like an old, 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 old ass movie, you know, like I right. grew up with, with 80s stuff, but anything before that was like, I don't know what was happening there. And yeah, I felt a need to correct that for a little while. And then apparently you did too. So yeah. Here, so we, here are. we are. Yeah. Yeah. Up against the other segment that we have on the podcast, which is hoser horror. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, kind of like the polar opposite, sort of. <laughs> well, it's 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 also kind of similar because it's focusing on a specific region, uh, a specific yeah. Yeah, we're gonna. Um, I'm gonna beat you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's Japan versus Canada, <laughs> uh, except it's a little bit more broader here. We won't be focusing on just one genre, unless you can call classics a genre or a subgenre, which mm, isn't really. But it's it's pretty specific, though. Like Japanese, like classic Japanese movies, and well, then we'll see, I guess, where we end up. Yeah. So I, yeah. So for for this the post anime club expect um, I, I almost want to say the unexpected, but it's actually going to be sort of predictable <laughs> what we're going to go through because yeah. we definitely want to mm -hmm. hit all of these classics first, and then we will uh, see kind of see where we go from there because I'm sure that we're going to love all this stuff because it's classic for a reason. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So the first one that we decided to to start with that Carlo decided was um, to to start with Ozu, Yasujiro Ozu who was a Japanese film director and screenwriter. And he's been making movies for ages from like the thirties or even the twenties to, to uh, until the, his death in the sixties. In 62. That's his, uh, his last movie he made in 62. And the first one, I'm not sure he started doing uh, short movies first. Um, so it wasn't until, I don't know, in the forties, I think uh, they started making like longer feature movies, you know? The, the kind of stuff he'd uh, really be, well, I want to say famous for, but his fame didn't really come until much, much, uh, like, post-Hamasley, you know? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people talk about him like the ultimate classic Japanese director, but the reality is when he was alive, he was 
basically considered this old dude who just make, kept making the same kind of movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't until after his death that he found like this appreciation with, well, cinema nerds, basically. Um, it's, it's also a fact that his movies just weren't being shown outside of Japan. So there was, like, for a long time not really a way to see his movies which is kind of weird it's funny i can definitely see you know i watching uh, well right off the bat i think we both loved all the movies that we watched pretty much yeah there there weren't any one one of the movies where i regretted watching them watching them so like some of them i liked a little bit less and some of them i liked a whole lot so yeah um pretty solid Though we did find out that to marathon Ozu gets very confusing very quickly. And in part because kind of as you said, and I was going to say, it doesn't totally surprise me that he wasn't really appreciated in his time in the sense that he he has very specific focus, which is, seems to be on family relationships yeah, um, and uh... human, human relationships, but largely about families and, and parents versus their children or grandparents. Uh, yeah. And, and relating, uh, you know, and not relating um, generationally. Mm-hmm. But he also uses the same actors in most yeah. of his movies. And all of the movies have, um, at least in English, they're very similar titles. It's always like late spring, early mm-hmm. summer, Tokyo oh, story, Tokyo They're Twilight. direct translations, so they're similar in Japanese as well. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And, it, and, it, and yeah. like, these movies are all individual and they're all really interesting um, and wonderful, but because he shoots them in a very specific way, uh, mm. which is like framed, you have all the characters are always like uh, looking directly into the camera and framed alone, and in yeah. a way that I and this is me being an in uh, like a white jerk, but to <laughs> me like it reminded me of like RPG games. Yeah, you yeah. know, like which I'm. <laughs> there's plenty of other things too, but but I was yeah. like, oh man, like this, I, it's I, almost like this putting you right in it, like to yeah, to, like it's basically like a Phoenix Wright game, <laughs> right? Like you're just going through like dialogue trees and <laughs> it totally is, it, and it's so funny, and and the and there's so much of that, and it's great, and it's super effective, and it and it, it's, mm, it it's is, well yeah. done. Um, but then he also he reuses the same set sometimes. Mm-hmm, he yeah. focuses and then the same actors. And so to to like go back, if I I really have to like look at what the plot was, and then I'm like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that movie, and I can like yeah. give you the info. But watching them all at once, if you're like, which one was your favorite? Like if without notes, I'm like, <laughs> I, I I don't remember the name. Yeah, it's a little bit hard. I think back more like I associate certain titles with how I felt about them more than I specifically remember what they were about but like maybe like an exception uh like floating weeds i feel is very much his own thing yeah more and good morning because it's basically a comedy like he's gone back to doing comedy and like fart jokes (laughs) which is very specific for that movie and no other um like the rest of his movies aren't really comedies they have like moments of levity for sure but Good Morning is like the most lowbrow of his movies, which is maybe why it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and we should also say that for for our little homework assignment that we gave ourselves here, we we mostly focused on the fifties with with yeah. some overlap into the sixties and the forties. But we kind of figured, you know, like let's just get into it. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> see, that's the right reaction. Is hmm? Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. that's ah, ah. so 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 that's good. Ah, ah. <laughs> 
In all of these movies, I've never, I like, I I don't need to hear um, uh, Chisu Ryu say, "Mm," yeah, (laughs) or "Mm," like one more time, like every single, that's all he says in all these movies. It's so classic. (laughs) It's so good. And it's so like grounding almost. It's at at a certain point, it started to feel like I just need him to say that. (laughs) Yeah. Just underplaying like every line he gets and <laughs> it's in every movie it's the same you know he's, he's played like that same character in the same way like for 30 years for Ozu and oh I, bet Ozu, <laughs> I bet Ozu loved that shit because he was you know like the kind of guy um like he really hated melodrama in his movies uh, and in just in general it, it was just a very down-to-earth guy he'd say that people would complicate like the simplest things you know and like a director can really show what he wants with a resorting to an appeal to the emotions. That was his stance. Hmm. And he would want to show, make people feel without resorting to the kind of drama. You know, it's, it's, it's all about restraint with him. You know, like severe self-discipline. Mm. <laughs> you link me to this. Yeah, you link me to this article uh, that Paul Schrader wrote about him. And he said, like, it's not dissimilar from what a person in the monastery would say. It's only through this type of ritual, only through this ascetic life that I can actually feel free. You know, it's like that repetition, like finding perfection in repetition and not so much innovate. And there's a lot of that in in all of his movies. Like, that's like this, you know, like the what what he always uh, reverts back to in his movies. And and it is calming and it feels really good. Like mm, mm. like I wouldn't recommend actually marathoning these we were saying before. Definitely not it's, a good it's marathon. A, it's a little sacrilegious what we did, I feel like <laughs> yeah. almost. You know. That's definitely not the way they were intended to be watched, but it's it, it did work well as like kind of this crash course in into his style. Um I was expecting and waiting for these like quiet beats. And that was almost the hardest, like on the day when I wasn't in 100% in the mood, but was trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like keep the momentum going, uh, (laughs) it would, it would have to, like, you'd have to settle back into it because it's just its own, like you really have to go into it with like the focus and and understanding. But it's funny. It also, it reminded me of like a dollhouse and a lot of it, the drama almost reminded me of like things that like I would do when I was playing with toys or whatever. Yeah. It's just playing house. Yeah. Yeah, and there's always and always like the same characters are they're always different in every movie, but they're like a similar archetype, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh, like uh, Haruko uh, Sugimura is always like the sister, or like the aunt character. She's a bit like dismissive and a bit surly, and right and Setsuko Hara as well, who'd be in in a lot of his movies, uh, most notably the Noriko trilogy as well, uh, which is I think late spring Tokyo Story and. Another one that I didn't get to, but yeah. And she's super beautiful. Yeah, she's she's great. Uh, she's very um, memorable as well uh, from all the actors in his movies. Yeah, definitely that that underplaying, and that's what's so good about this stuff. Like those, I mean, it's funny. Like you know, if we under the umbrella of post anime club, um, yeah. I love this stuff because this is what I I have the patience for now. I'm sure that yeah. if you went directly from <laughs> anime to this, you would hate it. But oh yeah, um, oh yeah, that's why it's post anime, right? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you said so. You oh. said Ohio was or Good Morning was your your favorite. Yeah. Well, 
It might be also because it was my first Ozu movie. And then when we started talking about like doing like a more specific podcast and talking about Japanese cinema, I was like, well, I just watched this movie called Good Morning. And it was my first Ozu and it, it kind of blew me away. Well, the plot's mostly like two kids and they want a television and they they uh, form like this pact where they stop talking to their parents until they get them a television and also there's a lot of fart jokes in the movie and not just from the kids <laughs> like there's this scene where this older guy he gets up and he farts and his wife comes into the room and she's like uh, did you say something <laughs> i was and he's all confused like what no no i didn't and then it happens again like directly after and i was laughing so hard at that scene because you don't want to know how often that's happened here uh, with, <laughs> with me and michelle like <laughs> i would just like make a fart and michelle would go excuse me <laughs> <laughs> like t completely unaware that it was just a fart. <laughs> so yeah, that movie holds a special place in my in my heart. In your fart. In my heart. In my in my heart of farts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was. It was funny. It was cute, and it's definitely there is definitely this arc too of of starting from his early fifties stuff, which is a little mm. more sympathetic to the older generation, and then going into yeah. the sixties, it becomes a little more sympathetic to the kids. Yeah, and yeah, this sure. is definitely this was came out in 59 there's also this what was the other um the oh, other well, drama movie? oh that the, there's woman who like uh collects money and and for like the local oh yeah 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 the local like housewives thing. group committee yeah, and, and they like, like are, gossipy <laughs> yeah and they're like accusing gossipy her of, of like mm. spending the money on something else when she didn't and you know yeah. so there is this sort of more adult thing but the adults are even you know, the, the, while the kids are, are being ridiculous, you know, with their little protest in order to get a television, yeah. the adults are really <laughs> not much better in, in a lot no, of ways. No, it's true. Like, uh, he's, he's kind of like highlighting the fact that adults aren't necessarily above children and like petty things. Um, and it's not just in that, like, uh, there's a certain point in the movie where the kids are like uh, commenting about how adults... Uh, especially in Japan, this is the case, have this way of talking without really saying anything. Like, it's all just formalities. And this is... I feel like Ozu's kind of, like, commenting on his own movies a little bit because he used to do that. Like, th it, it, there's a lot in his in his movies that's, like, very typically Japanese uh, formal behavior. Like, just people saying, ah, tenki desne. like, ah, it's, it's, it's good weather, isn't it? Like that's, I think that's like literally in every one of his movies, bar one maybe, you know. Well, there, there's and... a line where they say, "Yeah, the kid, the kids are like saying, like you guys just say greetings all the time and it's meaningless." Yeah, the, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And the adults mm. say there, there's a scene where I think it's this, the it's he's not he's an adult but he's a younger um, English teacher. Yeah, yeah. And he says that greetings are the lubricant of the world. 
<laughs> which I, I wrote yeah. down because yeah, I think that good. is, <laughs> I think that is kind of, I mean, he's right. Like, you know, what do you do? Walk into mm. a room and just stare at each other. Like, which is what yeah, kids can do. True. But, yeah. but you yeah. know, at a certain point, adults, you got to like, at least start the conversation with what's up. <laughs> yeah. Or like little things like saying thanks and, and stuff. Like it might seem like that kind of thing loses its meaning over time, but what kind of world would you be living, be, be living in if you, wouldn't like at least say thanks to a person, you know, it's, it, it may feel a bit like a formality, but still you kind of, you kind of have to not because of other people, but it's what you yourself would like to hear. I feel. Yeah, totally. I, and I, I thought this whole movie was kind of about that and the importance of communication, you know, and, and it's the it's the adults, you know, the reason why they all these women are spreading gossip about the other women is because no one will directly yeah. confront. And yeah, so yeah, they, they yeah, have built all these very Japanese as well. <laughs> <laughs> they build all these rumors and then the kids stop talking because they don't get their television, which is which is, yeah. you know, a communication to them. That's all they want to yeah, hear yeah, about. Yeah. That's all they want to hear from. And then you have yeah, the old yeah. people that that, you know, are just farting and thinking did you say my name like <laughs> <laughs> but, i love it i love it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it was, so it's an, it's an interesting movie you know and then yeah like the the plots of all of these it's not really it, it's not even worth describing the plot as much as it's it's really like just zen to watch these films and just let things happen and and yeah, in real time exactly. yeah it is interesting though, like the titles, you know, like saying that they're all like similar kind of titles, but they all have their own, um, they all feel differently though. Like when you've watched the movies, you can really tell like good morning. That, that sounds like, you know, uh, I know a lot of people don't like waking up and maybe mornings aren't the best thing, but good morning just sounds more cheerful totally. than, than for example, Tokyo Twilight, which is like the most depressing of his movies and it's probably the only of his movies that takes place in winter as well and you can tell like everything about that movie is just winter and twilight and it's dark and yeah and good morning is like the polar opposite of that <laughs> and it's, it's other movies as well like talking about spring and summer and autumn like you know in japanese that's very much a thing uh with them you know like the springtime of youth uh it's it's all about that you know totally yeah and in, in tokyo twilight um yeah let, let's just like jump right into his most depressing film from like his happiest yeah, sure. film came out in 57 so this is before uh good morning and it's both yeah. it's basically about it has um setsuko hara and uh chisuru and and um ineko arima i'm th maybe saying correctly and it's yeah it's about two sisters that that find out the uh you know existence of their uh their mother who they thought was uh dead yeah exactly yeah uh, i think pretty sure they were they were made to think she was dead, I think. Yeah, and, and basically that the the older sister is is upset, but the younger one really like just spirals um, upon learning mm. 
and and it's really depressing <laughs> it is and it's also it felt like one of his more angrier and one of his more conservative movies for me mm, yeah um because you know but it has this really upbeat soundtrack <laughs> Well, it's definitely it's definitely about like shame and anger and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's also about uh, abortion for a little bit, which was really surprising in a you know like a black and white 1957 movie from Japan. Oh my god! Like, and I had to look I, that up. Abortion was legal in 1950s Japan, which yeah, is super I mean, wild. That's, that yeah, it, it's it's great, but it's it's a little bit wild. Yeah, like you wouldn't expect that at all, um, and. Okay, the fact that it's legal, but to put it in a movie like pretty openly like that without necessarily condemning it, um, that's pretty wild as well. Oh, yeah. In a good way. So the thing is, I watched this movie with Michelle, and I think it's the first movie, like the first Ozu movie I watched together with her. And that's a weird movie like to get into it uh, because it's in tone so grim and... I know when I was watching Good Morning, I was just like uh, in bed watching it on my tablet and Michelle was just like catching glimpses of it. And she was like, uh, the next day, like, oh, that that looked pretty good. I, I kind of wish I'd watched it with you. And I'm like, well, I have a bunch more movies uh, from this director, so we'll just put another one on. And then we watched Tokyo Twilight. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think she thought it was good, but kind of depressing. And I agree. And like it's it's also very like very much a slow burn, like more so than his other movies. Uh, it felt to me, but yeah, I don't know. For for being so kind of like real, I kind of admired it for being not just like uh, another copy of the template of like um, what's it, late spring, uh, which he would copy like a couple of times over. Um, for being like its own thing like uh, if you've seen like I, I think I watched like nine other movies in this in this period and like by the end it's like I, w- I want to see the things I haven't seen li- yet I don't want to see the same thing being like chewed over and over even though that's kind of like what he was doing right um, but yeah that was kind of what Tokyo Twilight was for me um, yeah yeah this was one where I felt like um, the characters actually do get punished and judged which mm. um, doesn't happen in his other movies really at all. It's actually pretty open. Mm. And this one too, yeah. there's, it's not that it's black and white, but um, there's some intense punishments get doled out here uh, for characters in, 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 in almost like, it, it, it feels like a little, it feels like he's angry. Like again, I, I go back to the dollhouse thing. It feels like he's in a mm. bad mood when he's like kind of mashing these dolls together. <laughs> like, cause yeah, it, it, yeah. it had like a, just there was so much weight paid and I don't want to spoil the film, which is why I'm being vague. I, I, like you should mm-hmm. definitely check this one out if you have any interest in Ozu, but um, it's just that there's a lot of anger and blame uh, in this one, especially towards mothers. Yeah. Um, and it felt yeah. a little unjustified to me um, in the sense that I can understand why the character feels that way, but I didn't, I felt like the movie felt that way too. And, and mm. that was a little, that was a little uh, different for him. Which was interesting. Yeah. I agree. It made it really stand out as its own thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I'm I'm looking more for things that are interesting, things that he has, he hasn't done before. Even if it's kind of like being kind of judgy and mean towards certain characters. Um, 
like it's it's a hard movie to really like love or you know for me like uh but still like i had an appreciation for it yeah it's funny i i kind of felt that way about floating weeds uh oh yeah, which was a, another um color one which by the way we should mention that these ones from the this is from 59 and, and good morning in 59 um and mm. everything else is in black and white uh but these are in color and his use of color is just fantastic oh yeah yeah and like um, iconic like it, it's just so like so purposeful it's, it's kind of incomparable you know like his black and white stuff and this like uh, like the writing's good throughout but the way he uses color is just so specific and iconic and um it, it all kind of makes it look pretty I- idyllic you know um it's all very uh like cozy and kind of peaceful and there's like certain shots uh when he's um like static shots that he uses to like transition scenes and he's just so uh, showing like exteriors or like you know uh and an, for example an alleyway uh or like a like a bunch of where there's like a bunch of bars um or like trains or a tea kettle or like factories like stuff that would be called like uh, there's, a, there's a certain critic called Noel Birch who wrote a book on Ozu. He called them pillow shots, um, which isn't a, ther- a term that was uh, coined by Ozu, but it's apparently it refers to like pillow words, which are found in traditional Japanese poetry. Uh, huh. These are short poetic pauses that appear between long stretches of poetry. Um, but yeah, it's it's those kind of shots specifically where it almost felt like I know like tilt shift wasn't a thing back in the day, but looking at those those scenes with like especially like um, you know like scenery shots where it all looks like I, I want to say like a dollhouse, but they're exteriors, right? Uh, which gave it this very specific effect that I just loved a whole lot. Like, I think Good Morning opens on a shot like that. I'm, I'm already, like, right away, I'm just entranced by the by the thing. Yeah, totally. It, it almost, it's interesting, too, that he, he manages to compose shots so that uh, the color palette is limited, even when it is mm, outside. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, every, like there's only five colors, and, and you know, <laughs> and, and it's like, how'd you even do this, like, with the the wild yeah. world around you like there could have been one bird yeah. flew into the shot like no it's perfectly done <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not sure how we exactly pulled it off but it just it almost yeah i want to say it has like this technicolor vibrancy to it but only for certain colors so it almost feels like it's been color corrected to emphasize certain colors like you say like a specific set amount of colors uh, almost like reminding me a little bit of stuff that's been colored in post, like you know old Laurel and Hardy movies. Except it looks way better than than those were done, obviously, because I don't think that kind of stuff looks too hot. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I would figure it must be in part the the camera and the film stock that was used, mm. but I I do think I mean like everything's so purposefully placed, which is yeah. you know also pretty Japanese. <laughs> like yeah everything's totally. like nothing's out of order in it and it you know it's glorious for it it really does it helps set scenes and especially when you know like a movie like floating weeds um which is about like a, a sort of 
traveling uh, kabuki theater that shows up in a small uh, seaside town in Japan. of this troupe, Komajuro is, is the, the name of the character and mm. he's played by uh, Ganjiro Nakamura who apparently was a big kabuki guy uh, in real life. Yeah, he has a really thick Osaka accent. Oh, really? <laughs> by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's super. I, I think he's in another one of his movies that I saw. Um, I think End of Summer and plays sort of like a similar character as well. Um uh, but that same thick Osaka accent, like at times a little bit hard to understand if you're not very familiar with that accent. That's interesting. But, yeah, yeah, well, he's kind of like he shows up in this town and, and it, it slowly gets revealed that um, he has been here before and he had knocked up a lady and has mm. a, a son here. And nobody because they're not married, nobody wants to tell the son that he's the real father, but he shows up as the uncle you know, once yeah. in a while. And he really wants to bond with his son, but he doesn't want his son to know the truth. And he doesn't want to marry this woman because um, he's still in the traveling theater and that's his passion, I suppose. So that's, you know, he doesn't want to settle down, basically. And, um, you know, tying it back into just the colors, it's like you have this, this just perfectly, and even for like a seaside town, like I've I've been to many a seaside town. They're usually like a little messy you know it's like you're, you have to deal with the ocean like the ocean's mm. like a big old mess and mm -hmm. uh and so it's funny to see this like sort of perfectly balanced place but all of the people that inhabit it are really kind of messed up mm. and and kind of spiraling in, in messes and it's like a, such a good contrast and it really helps with the drama of you know when they arrive everyone looks perfect and they look um, like they're made to be there and then just slowly everything starts to unravel and unravel and it I, yeah. this one to me really stood out um, because it's also an angrier uh, Ozu movie but it also has more of a plot than I think a lot of his other movies do yeah, uh, yeah with with true. like an unfolding drama and um, you know this undoing of characters and uh, the Komajuro as, um, as a main character it, he's such a villain yeah. which i found really he's, interesting he's a, he's a nasty guy kind of like once you get to know him yeah, yeah he's like a true <laughs> actor true. you know he can't say anything truthful mm -hmm. and he's super selfish yeah. and he's he's just you know and he's just such a, such a jerk i mean like this he really lashes <laughs> out and and especially at the at the women here and he kind of gets a comeuppance yeah. even though in perfect ozu style yeah. it's not it's not black and white he's sort of happy yeah, with yeah, his yeah. comeuppance in some ways and Everyone else is kind of miserable. <laughs> that kind of reminded me of a other movie, Equinox Flower, where it, it's also kind of like about this like 
parental figure who's actually kind of an asshole to the people he loves but yeah, an equinox flower came out um in in 58 so that was just before this one yeah i think equinox flower was his first color movie as well <laughs> Equinox Flower, was that maybe the first one I watched after Good Morning or not? I don't remember, but it was one of the one of the first ones I watched anyway. And I, I really liked that one as well. Um, probably because I was early in on like the whole Ozu uh, deep dive as well, so everything still felt fresh to me. There were some pretty funny scenes in that as well. Or maybe it's just stuff that makes me laugh because it's kind of like... A toilet humor related like there's i think there's like three separate conversations in that movie that just stop dead in their tracks because the other person has to go to the bathroom <laughs> i don't know why but that just made me laugh oh yeah it's like uses an excuse for people to just get away from a conversation yeah. they want to talk about yeah like it doesn't st- well i want to say it doesn't stop naturally but i guess it kind of would like if you really really have to go that's the end of conversation goodbye <laughs> i have to t- <laughs> I have to let nature take its course. <laughs> Speaking of, Carlo, I have to... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Equinox Flower it, just... <laughs> felt almost like a Disney movie to me. Like it was super wholesome. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and like there's that, but... you know, like, and it builds on these themes that he talks about, which is like the theme of growing, like the sadness of growing apart from your parents. But then it's, it mm-hmm. because it focuses more on the child instead of the adult, it's like his earlier films, it, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. It, it, it mixes in a way where it's more about like the sadness of the rigidity of, you know, and the, the limitations of your, of your parents and, and, you know, what they yeah, can actually offer yeah, you. It, yeah. It's also just like, you know, about like the changing of values between like parents and the next generation. Uh, like I, couldn't really relate to like the dad character but it's i did think it was an interesting character study like i i I got his train of thought i knew where he was coming from um you know just this guy who sat in his ways and then the new generation wants to do it their way and there's a lot of that in all the movies uh you know like uh post-war the new generation is interested in like learning English, getting televisions, um, drinking Coca-Cola and that stuff, you know. And meanwhile, the, the older, like your folks are uh, saying you're defying them, uh, making it more about them. But it's actually more of a, like, you know, just carving your own path in life. Yeah. And we should just say <laughs> that the plot down. of, of yeah. Equinox Flower here is essentially that... Um, a father uh, gets told by a businessman father gets told by his friend that his daughter um, has run off uh, to, hmm. to work in a bar. And, and I, I think that she wants to um, arrange her own marriage. And yeah, the father yeah, says, picked her own. Yeah. Yeah. And the father says to, to, um, to his friend, um, I'm already confusing these two fathers. They're two fathers. And one says to the friend, <laughs> basically, to, to, to Chisu Ryu uh, that, you know, hey, like, my, can you talk to my daughter and, and talk some sense mm-hmm. into her? And so yeah, then yeah, when yeah. he goes to talk to her, it basically finds out that, well, she says my father's so stubborn and I know what I want. And he's mm-hmm. not listening. 
and um, Chisu Ryu is is actually really sympathetic to her. But then the shoe mm-hmm. goes on the other foot, or you know, he turns around and his daughter starts to um, kind of talk in a similar way to him, and and he's very much against it. So it's just kind of about the the you know that it, it's all good and fine when someone else's kid's doing it, but when your kid does it, oh, suddenly his standards change and he becomes more conservative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't believe in like, his daughter, uh, who actually is totally, you know, she's not she's not a screw up. She's no, no, not at all. She's totally a level headed person. But uh, it's just like, you know, uh, Shin Saburi is the guy who plays the dad, like the main dad in this, and he's he's just a voice of reason as long as it's not about his own daughter. Like people come to him for advice, but then when his own daughter. He just, you know, um, becomes this like typical blowhard dad. Like his, uh, there, there's like a um, what do you call it? Uh, he blows his fuses, and he just can't think straight anymore. You know, it's pretty balanced, and it's and it's pretty sympathetic. Though it's definitely more sympathetic to the to all of the women in this film that are trying to to do something modern for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Than it is for this, the more conservative fathers, and it has this very again like kind of Disney ending to it, where everything <laughs> just kind of wraps up perfectly. Um, yeah. Unlike say like late spring. which was from 1949, which um, was more about, it has also the, the same kind of themes, but it's that about this character, uh, Noriko, who's played, which, which as you, we mentioned earlier, this Noriko trilogy, um, uh, Setsuko Ohara, and she's living at home with her widowed father and she has no plans on marrying, and yet everyone in the family, including her father, is trying to convince her to just like go live your life and, and don't stick around and you know, I'll be fine kind of stuff. Mm. And that's way more sympathetic to like, even within this character, Noriko, her whole life revolves around, you know, the happiness of uh, her father and, and how she feels that she needs to be there um, just for him, but also yeah. it's for her. She doesn't really want to give up on um, being a child in some ways she's she's really content like the the happiness that she has is is the only happiness that she really needs she doesn't really want to grow yes she's also just very used to like uh having taken over the the role of her mother who isn't around anymore uh doesn't want to let that go right yeah for her to get married is 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 to like accept that her mother except that her mother is dead and that, yep. you know, her father will be no longer the most important male figure in her life. Um, which, in some ways, this, this movie reminded me of, like, Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> it's just this character that, that is, you know, afraid of, of growing up and, and dealing with the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And um, really holding on to, you know, this sort of innocent happiness that, that they still have before they inevitably will have to give it up and, and abandon to this a world of disorder and, and Mm -hmm. unpredictability, which is, you know, we don't have, if you're living at home with like within the structure that your parents created. Um, and this one, well, not just this one, but there's a lot of like interesting parallels with Oz's own life and his movies, but in this one, maybe more so, um, 
well, in my experience anyway, because Ozu, I don't know if you know, but he never married and basically lived with his mo mother for her entire life. And then shortly after she passed away, he passed away as well. That's so um, sad. It is. It kind of is. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, on his gravestone as well, uh, the character on his gravestone is, is uh, the character for Mu, which uh, stands for nothingness empty the void you know Jeez. <laughs> yeah as if to say you know um in the afterlife there's just nothing <laughs> and i'm like is this being melodramatic or isn't it <laughs> because he's not a melodramatic guy but that's such a yeah nihilistic way of looking at it kind of yeah wow but it's funny yeah. I, you know he and he he always um noriko's character in in that film is so like she's just it's like tapping into something that he mu it, it almost becomes obvious that this must be how he's living because it's just mm -hmm. so nuanced and so thought out and so deep you know like yeah, it's it's yeah. just really real and yeah, it yeah. seems really it, personal yeah like it is like i almost got the feeling that as if ozu was kind of like screaming out for someone to make a similar decision in his stead, like yeah. just get him out of the house and married, and otherwise he'll end up alone and dead. And well, that's that's pretty much what happened, though. Yeah, <laughs> just... and it's, it's interesting. He definitely um, is very sympathetic towards women too. And mm -hmm. I, I was reading a little bit about him and and how there's this question of whether or not he was like gay or straight. Which doesn't yeah. really matter, but it I do find it really interesting that he seems to he seems to to relate to women more than men. Yeah, because yeah, a lot yeah, of the male characters in this are are very stoic and and a little too simple, and all the women are like really complex. Yeah, 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 that's true. So it, I I I did read a thing like on Wikipedia. Apparently, in 1920, when he was 17, he was thrown out of his dormitory uh, after being accused of writing a love letter. To a boy in, a, in in the lower class, oh. which is a uh, like I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read on Wikipedia, and then you know that might be so. <laughs> we all know that Wikipedia. Yeah, no, I mean, well, that, <laughs> yeah. that that would be that would be sad. I mean, like I you know I just hope that most people don't you know it's it, it's like I don't I don't feel sad if he didn't get married as much as it's sad when people feel stifled by by yeah. society. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like just uh, like being deprived of finding happiness and love, you know, that's that's the worst. Well, we haven't mentioned Tokyo Story, which is, I think, his most famous film uh, from basically about an older married couple um, who go to visit their um, children in Tokyo. Chieko Higashima. Chieko Higashiyama. <laughs> there you go. Satsuhara as well. Haruko Sugimura. All your usual faces. Yep. Nobuo Nakamura. He's in a bunch of them as well. Yep. And it's basically about this, this you know, elder couple comes to Tokyo and... and their children are all adults and are busy and they don't totally have time to entertain their parents and 
It's the brother mm. and the sister are kind of trying to juggle who has to deal with the parents. They're happy to see them, but you know they just they just got other shit going on. And mm-hmm. the the one um, sort of it's a sibling in law. Uh, Setsuko Hara plays again Noriko, who is not the same yeah. character, but pretty pretty similar it's like a parallel universe version yeah the the thing is just he uses a lot of the same actors and he uses a lot of the same like names as well so this like young Sasakohara would just become Noriko like even if it's not the same character and her she was married to their other son who was killed in the war but she yeah. is very much involved, or at least happily happy to to be involved with the parents and yeah, m- more so than like the the actual children. <laughs> right, and she's also clearly still mourning the death of her husband mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to want to move on. And so you yeah. have these two stories, which is in part about the older um, married couple and and trying to relate with their their own children and then their their grandchildren who they feel distanced from and then also trying to encourage um Sesko to marry Noriko to marry somebody else and and move on with mm-hmm. her life even though she's the one who seems to be most loving to these grandparents yeah she's a real uh sweetheart in this movie even if she doesn't think herself to be like she feels a lot of guilt about the fact that she like just the idea of of moving on and and remarrying someone uh it's again like that changing of values uh there's a lot of characters in this in in yasujiro ozu movies that uh they just frown upon the idea of remarrying and also with noriko in this movie uh it's just she feels such severe guilt at the idea of moving on you know (laughs) Yeah, and then and then you have this whole meditation again about aging and and how children and parents kind of can outgrow each other sometimes and mm-hmm. um and but more even how how children just take their parents for granted until it's too late. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't it, the the nice thing about this and this was one of the first ones that I watched and I feel like it kind of mm-hmm. set the stage for me in about Ozu and I think it does in general. I think that this is really the heart of most of his films. It doesn't point any fingers of blame. Um, even no, at no, the children, like they're actually pretty, they're under, they're reasonable, you know, they're, they're not the nicest. They could be better people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're, they're not like evil and they're not dumb. You know I mean? Like they're, they're never, yeah. there's never this like, and, and they're inherently bad, you know, like yeah. they're, 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 re- they're just like life happens, you know? And, and, and yeah, it's true. It's, it's definitely about like, uh, drifting apart, uh, Especially at the end, um, when Harko Sugimura's character is like, uh, wants like, I don't know, like a kimono that her mother used to own or whatever, like shortly after she passes away. Spoiler alert for Tokyo Story, you're like 60 years late in watching it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't change the movie though, you know, um, knowing that. But yeah, that's a, a little moment of like, oof, geez, uh, I know your relationship wasn't the best anymore, but... Uh, I think one of the other daughters, like one of the younger daughters who was uh, living with them in, uh, in Hiroshima, also comments and comments uh, to Setsuko Hara a little bit later, like how she was absolutely not okay with the, with the, yeah, Haruko Sugimura basically being a bit of a vulture. And then it's they're not even that he he you know he he reveals details slowly about the parents and the reason why the kids mm-hmm. are not so attached and how like the father had a drinking problem 
Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't like the worst, but like he comes <laughs> he comes in drunk at a certain point and the the kids are like, "Oh, this shit again." You know, like and and it's sort of interesting that there everyone has like just such subtle nuance to them and and you, by the end of the film like you start out trying to you want to judge people and and <laughs> to be fair Noriko is always a little too perfect mm, that's true yeah. she's the one person bit, yeah. i feel like is completely i mean not not unrealistic because people like that exist look at like ozu seem yeah. to have been that person but um mm. you know the i i like that there is all this sort of like just just a little sprinkled in detail that that changes your entire perception of like oh well ah, i can't yeah 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 yeah. you know and and yeah i don't know it was just it it, it was also i mean the other thing too though is this this story the tokyo story i thought was a little emotionally stilted and i think all of his movies are like none of these movies really made me cry uh no but yeah but people apparently do yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them made me cry or like tear up uh, either, but that doesn't happen in general a lot. So I don't know, like, what's my like reference point for uh, a movie being too emotional or emotionally stinted? Um, it, it's it's definitely a little bit of a cultural thing. Like um, Japanese people in general aren't very open about their emotions. Right. So it didn't feel too weird for me, personally, because I'm used to that, and maybe I'm also a little bit like that. <laughs> but yeah, that's not for me to say. Yeah, I mean, like definitely, the, there's. I actually, um, the thing that made me feel more emotional was. Um, oh, see, I already forgot the name of it. We just talked about it. Late spring, is it? Late spring, yeah. Or well, we were just talking about Tokyo Story. I know, but late spring's I, the one I, that made me feel more the most emotional. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you gave that like the highest score as well of like all the other movies. Yeah, so, I think late my, spring was box. my favorite, and then and then I think floating weeds. I just it was mm. it was so unique that I really it really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't resonate with late spring as much, but I also really love floating weeds. Uh, I might even have like a a list on Letterbox where where it's like very easy to see like which ones I like the most. Yeah, floating re- weeds is really pretty high up there, along with uh, Good Morning. Um, yeah, Autumn Afternoon was pretty good as well. Uh, I don't think you got to that one, did you? I don't think so either. What was that one about? That's his last one, uh, 1962. It's 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 also again kind of like late spring. Uh, about a dad and a daughter, um, daughter who kind of has to get married, uh, but it's a little bit, hmm. like explaining these movies, like just based on a summary or like giving you a summary, you're like inclined to say, well, that's just the same movie, isn't it? Right. <laughs> but I also don't think that's necessarily true because there's nuances just nuanced differences and like um point of views just get changed or characters get changed a little bit more or like the focus just shifts right to a different character a little bit more um like for example you got late autumn as well 
which is again kind of like late spring like it's it's on letterbox it's they call it a re a reworking of oz's 1949 masterpiece late spring and thinking back on that movie i'm like was that movie even like late spring <laughs> but it, it but it's also just because it's about like a parent and a daughter but in this case uh satsukuhara is the mother and uh-huh. there's well, Ch- Chishiru is in it, but he plays like a minor role. Um, but just the way that movie plays out, it's different. It's its own thing, while still being kind of the same thing. Also, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of fascinating. Yeah, that's what that's you know, like when I like like I almost like I say these movies run together, but it's only it's strictly because it's the same actors and the same general themes. But mm-hmm, every movie yeah. is super individual, it it, is. and and Absolutely. like you can't confuse the two as far as watching the film. I think because we watch them, like we basically binge them, it kind of feels more that way. But if we would have taken our time, it would have even felt le- uh, it w- it would have felt less that way. Definitely, like the, it's definitely really individual, and they're they're all worth watching. None of these movies, I'll, I'll say, none of these movies were below a four-star film for me they were all like excellent yeah and just that fact is like hugely impressive i mean oh yeah i barely i barely know a director where i'm like yeah all of their movies are worth watching like there's maybe one or two or yeah maybe five tops overall but ozu is one of those directors easily yeah i'm definitely gonna go back and and try and catch the the earlier even earlier like 40s 30s mm-hmm. silent films like yeah heck yeah like <laughs> like i'm ready this, <laughs> yeah, these are all so too. good yeah absolutely it was kind of a perfect way to start this thing off um like unknowing like not knowing what we would what we would be getting into um and just kind of hit it out of the park right away <laughs> so uh like the bar is set and that's kind of intimidating. Like, ooh, I know. What are we gonna focus on next? Uh, wonder if it will be as good as Ozu. <laughs> totally. But, and and but, definitely, yeah. I would say, as far as as our, um, you know, white person line of post anime club comes, <laughs> like I would say that this is definitely for the person who doesn't have patience for anime anymore, but has a lot of patience. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and it has nothing to do with anime whatsoever other than being Japanese. No. But if you liked, if you like such a one side of a culture, like why wouldn't you want to yeah. know the other sides? You know, like I, I find that, um, watching, um, you know, American movies, uh, are mm. richer for the fact that I, when I know American literature and culture and, and all mm-hmm. of this other stuff and same thing with, with any country anywhere. So Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. dumb to focus on on one thing. It's I think our the main thesis of <laughs> we've been dumb this whole time and now we're trying to get educated. Yeah, it's true. It's just like I don't know if you have an interest in anime or just like a lot of stuff flows forth from that. Like I got an interest into anime and then I got interested in Japanese as a language, so I started studying Japanese and. Now, like a decade later, I'm like, well, I really want to know a lot more about Japanese cinema than I did before. So for me, it just made sense. And I feel like this sub-series of our podcast uh, also works in that way. It's just like uh, for both of us, like a natural progression 
of our interests. Um, and then, and then before you know, like we have to bring up the fact that there is a porn version of Ozu that you watch, <laughs> which sounds freaking well, amazing. Well, it's not really porn, but it is like a pinku movie, and that's basically softcore porn, sort of. Like, I mean, you're not getting like penetration or stuff, but there's a lot of sex. Okay, so it's a movie called, um, I think, uh, Japanese titles like Hentai, Kazuku, Hen, something or other, I don't remember, which translates to Abnormal Family. It's a movie directed by Masuyuki Suo uh, from 1984. Um, apparently doing this movie uh, got him put like in movie jail sort of because he could not get a movie made for like a very long time after Uh, but then he came out with a movie called Shall We Dance in 1986 which got remade into an American movie with I don't know um, some big shot American actor I, I think it's like Richard Gere even but yeah his debut was basically a sort of like a softcore porn parody of Yasujiro Ozu movies, which is just the fact that that exists is mind blowing to me. You brought up <laughs> the... that you were like, oh my God, this exists. And we were both like, oh yeah. my God, we have to watch this right now. But I couldn't find it, but you ended up watching it. Yeah, I ended up finding a copy on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not really, but yeah, um, I did end up find a, uh, finding a copy. And I watched it like right away because I just had to know <laughs> just that whole concept, like Dirty Ozu, <laughs> like fucking the most wholesome director <laughs> you can think of and right. turn that into like a softcore porno. But anyway, it's I didn't think it was a great movie because it's honestly, it's like 80% just people fucking in the room. <laughs> well, you said the opening scene sounded really funny. You have to describe the opening scene. Basically, there's like, I think like a father who's supposed to be like Chishiru. Like, uh, they just went for it and just made that the character, like a guy doing him and he's doing him really well. <laughs> and his like da uh, daughter and son, I think, sitting with, with, uh, with him in the living room. But just next to them in the other room, and if you know, like, traditional Japanese rooms, it's that's just, like, you can hear everything that's happening there. And I think, like, another son of his and his new, uh, like, his um, his new wife are just, like, getting it on. <laughs> like, not even being subtle about it. Like, fucking honeymoon sex, you know? <laughs> just going at it. Like, Chris, Christian uh, honeymoon sex. Like, <laughs> haven't been able to touch each other for... Uh, however long they knew each other from, since kindergarten uh, when they got like hitched <laughs> right and and i don't know the, the the kids are like you know spouting like traditional ozu lines like e thank you this name like it's isn't good, good weather and the, and the chishiru character goes mm, mm, uh, so 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 this name and meanwhile these two are fucking in the other room like like they're fucking rabbits mm, mm. So, so this name. Mm, mm. And then, which, which is brilliant, <laughs> just, honestly, comedic brilliance. But it, then you said it, it just kind of like dissolves from there. Yeah, once you once that novelty wears out of like Chishu Ryu, uh, like a character like that, just ignoring the fact that people are fucking in the next room and just mm, mm, uh, uh. once you get used to that, uh, there's not a whole lot left in that movie that's necessarily funny. I'm I'm not sure if the intent of that movie was to be funny 
but it's hilarious either way <laughs> you, you can't tell me like picking an actor and telling him to act exactly like chishiru uh is done like with a straight face so uh i'm also sure like the rest of the movie wasn't meant to be funny because there's so much fucking <laughs> but uh, so i guess in that way it's kind of like an exploitation movie but a pretty i'd say a late one because in the 80s I feel like exploitation, especially that kind of like softcore, like Pinku movies in the 80s, um, weren't being made a lot anymore. Um, but yeah. Uh, Classic. N- now you know. <laughs> super, super sacrilegious, but love it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Lo- love that sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. So, so stay tuned and we will continue to educate ourselves and, and please join our, our post anime club. Where um, you you learn about this stuff with us, uh, we we would love to hear from you. <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook at Backrow Cine Blog. That's Backrow one word C I N E Blog. At Twitter and Facebook, or go to back rowcom and read all of our articles and listen to our whole podcast. And don't give any more time to that hoser horror segment. <laughs> What? Hey, I'm on that. <laughs> no, that segment's freaking awesome, and I'm super happy about it. So I guess our podcast is just slowly becoming different countries every episode. So it's kind of like a magazine, you know? It's like different segments and, and things like that is kind of our our deal. So enjoy it, please. Totally. Totally.